Uh, well, today our, our main scripture is found in James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It's eight, uh, six verses long, and so they're, they're going to put it up on the screen. I want you to follow along with me. There'll be some words that I have you read out, but uh, let's stay standing as we honor God's word today. This is what it says. It says, consider it pure. What's that next word? Joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I love how he says many kinds. He doesn't get specific with the trial. Because if he got specific with the kind of trial, you'd be like, oh, he's not talking about me. That's somebody else. No, any trial, when you face it, count it joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces, what's that word? Perseverance. That perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, though, you should ask God, who gives generously without, what are those next two words? Finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, the person not expecting to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is what? Double-minded and unstable in all they do. I want to bring a message to you entitled Escape Artist. Escape Artist. Turn to your neighbor and say, now you see me, now you don't. Go ahead, tell at least two people that. Now you see me, now you don't. And you can be seated this morning. Do you remember a couple weeks or a, a, a year or so ago? I was going to say a couple weeks, but I meant to say a couple months and uh it's actually even longer than that, uh, maybe a year or so ago, there was this uh, trending kind of craze that was taking over social media uh, where people would film themselves uh, with blankets and uh, their pets were right in front and they would like do these weird, like they were talking to a baby, oh, look at you, like, like weird baby talk to their dogs. I got a whole thing I ought to tell you about I don't know how we call them man's best friends, these dogs, because I've never had a best friend require that I pick up after them. Uh, so this different subject, though. But they're sitting there looking at their dogs and their cats, and they're saying, oh, you're so cute. And they pull the blanket up and say, oh, oh, and they go up and down, up and down. And all of a sudden, they toss the blanket up, and they do this disappearing Houdini act, right? Like, they were gone, and their dogs were to be left wondering, like, where do they go? Where do they go? And, Everybody was trying to practice being this, this escape artist. I remember my kids trying to do it with our dogs. Uh, it was quite funny because they would throw, throw up the blanket, and right as they throw it up, it would get caught on them, and so they'd be left there, and then the dog would just tackle them. It was, it was quite, quite comical. I think sometimes we feel like God is doing that to us. Hi, do you see me? No, you don't. See, now you see me, now you don't. Now you see me, now you don't. And, and we feel like sometimes in some seasons that God has produced or done this disappearing act, and he's like some escape artist, where when we need him, we feel like he's absent. When we feel like we want to encounter him, we want to hear from him, his voice seems silent to us. I don't know if you've ever walked through a season like that where you have just find, found yourself in a place asking God, where did you go? As if he was some performing some magic trick and we couldn't see where he went and we feel like God is distant and we feel like maybe there is this dark place in our soul. 
the the old ancient saints would would say it like this that there's something that oftentimes we'll experience in our relationship with God called the dark night of the soul where there's this darkness and this silence where God just seems so distant and oftentimes we feel God is distant right after moments of disappointment in our lives where something happens that doesn't meet our expectation We had an expectation, but the experience doesn't line up to it. And we're wondering, God, where are you? And we're left with this sense of disappointment in us. And oftentimes, our disappointment leads us to disconnect from God ourselves. Maybe it's, a, it's in this place where this disappointment comes. We don't really want to deal with the disappointment, so we just shove it in a dark closet somewhere, hoping that it goes away on its own. There's something in the Scripture's Especially you'll find it in the Old Testament, this word, we don't talk about it much in our society today, but it's the word lament. There is a biblical process for lamenting disappointing times. A good process. A process where you learn to grieve and walk through difficulties or disappointments, but you do it not losing sight of the fact that there is hope on the other end of this. But lamenting requires you to deal with your disappointment, not just disguise it and shove it in a corner, shove it in a closet and not go. See, see, if we never deal with our disappointment, we eventually become bitter. And if we don't deal with our disappointment, we just let offense grow in our lives. And, and if we don't deal with our, our disappointment, the things that we thought would happen but never did happen, the, the, the loss that we suffered, the job that we thought for sure we would get, but somebody else got it instead. We, we thought for sure if we got this job, all of our financial problems would go away. Everything would be changed. Our, our, our spouse would look at us like we're the hero again, and we never got the job, and we feel disappointed, and we feel crushed. And the school that we wanted to get into, they sent us a rejection letter instead of an acceptance letter, and we're left wondering, oh, God, why is this happening? What is going on? And we're left with this deep sense of disappointment, and oftentimes our disappointments simply come because we're too busy comparing our lives with somebody else's. And we get fallen into this trap of social comparison to where all of a sudden we're like, man, their marriage is way better than my marriage. Oh, if I only had this thing in my life, it would be way better. And we start comparing other people's successes to our behind-the-scenes mess, and we're wondering why we feel so disappointed. Oh, their faith is so much, they are so much more passionate about Jesus than I've ever been. How did they get, I can't believe it. And we allow this disappointment and this discontent to just grow deep on the inside. And this disappointment drives us to disconnect from God. And at the end of the day, we find ourselves a little bit more dead on the inside. You ever been there? where you just kind of went numb, didn't really feel anything, think anything, believe anything, doubted everything. People said they cared, but you didn't even believe them. Why? Because something of disappointment never was dealt with. You left it in the dark. You never found the life within the darkness, and it just made you dead on the inside. But that's not the only time we feel like God is distance. I think, I think we, we find ourselves in other moments, whether it is because of a disappointment or just because of the life that we think we're so, supposed to be pursuing, that we find ourselves so distracted that even if we wanted to connect with God, we never give him the time of day to connect with him. And we find ourselves so distracted. And, and, and there's a lot of people, and, and I think 
rightfully so, uh, but I think it's a little short-sighted and misguided, would say that technology is the only reason we have a distracted culture. The only problem is there's nothing new under the sun, and distraction has been around well before these devices got in our hands. It just became more convenient to be distracted. See, before the devices came along, people were working still 80 hours, and they gave all of their attention to work and busy work life, and they still were disconnected at home. And they just distracted themselves with work. They distracted themselves with reading the newspaper instead of watching CNN and Fox News. They just read about it instead of watching it. We always have been a distracted culture. We've always been distracted. You remember when everybody said, when you mess with the radio, you're likely to get in a wreck? Remember when the radio was the distraction? Now it's our cell phones. And they're like, everybody put your cell phones down. It's fine to listen to the radio. Just don't have your phone in your hand, right? Like we've just traded And I think for a lot of us, no matter the season that we find ourselves in, we allow ourselves to become more distracted by our activity so we don't deal with the real connection issues. And we find ourselves distracting and finding anything we possibly can to distract ourselves. And yet, in the midst of our distractions, we haven't yet thought our distractions are causing us to not connect with God. And we feel like God is distant. But God hasn't moved anywhere. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His his mercy is steady and steadfast. His love is unchanging. His affection towards you ever growing. He never moves. We move. And it's our distractions that lead us to this place where it's just ever so. And we get more, uh, our distraction ends up driving us to a place of isolation. Oh, we have plenty of activity and people that know us, but no real deep connection. See, our isolation ends up creating a spot where we have no longer found intimacy in our lives. That's why you can sit in a living room 10 inches from your spouse and be totally lacking intimacy in those moments. You can be with people at the ball field with your kids all day long and feel like you're having a sense of community, but all you're doing is being busy together. And so we pour all of our attention into our kids and not into our own souls or not even into our taking care of our our, our own marriage relationships. And we get distracted by other things that aren't even bad things, but they distract us nonetheless. And then we wonder, God, why aren't you speaking to me anymore? Why, why, Why aren't you here talking to me like you used to. I've lost this sense of my first love, God. I remember when I first found you, Jesus, everything was great and wonderful. Whether it would be disappointment or your thing would be distraction, can I just say both of them cause us to feel like God is distant. Both of us make us feel like God has disconnected himself from us. I think that's, that's maybe why James was writing to us saying, listen, God wants you to experience something beyond. Like, like there's some things you need to understand about your life, about faith in God. You don't need to be so duplicitous in your mindset, believing in God, but yet doubting that he'll respond. And he says that doubt becomes this double-mindedness in our lives. We believe God can speak to us. We just don't believe he wants to speak to us. We believe God can be close to people. We just don't think he's going to be close to us. Why? Because we've got disappointment and distractions raging in us, and they have disconnected us 
from God. And we become double-minded all the time. And we have a hard time believing that God said what he said and that he would do what he said he would do. In fact, this idea of doubt, can I just let you know, I think some of the biggest doubts people have when it comes to faith, it's simply this, that God isn't present and that God doesn't care about me in this moment. Those are the two biggest, when you boil everything down, all of the pain, all of the hurt, no matter where you're at, you have to come to an understanding that the biggest doubts and most of your doubts, they're gonna center around these two things. God isn't available and he doesn't care. And we build a case in our mind for those two things and that's really the root of so much of our doubts. And they stem from a lot of different places. And James comes along and he's writing and he's saying, listen, 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 you don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder if God is close by. You, you, don't, you don't have to wonder if God's hanging out in the margins. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to let distraction drive you to isolation. And you don't have to let your disappointment disconnect you from God. In fact, it's in both of those moments that if you'll be aware of the disappointment and you're willing to acknowledge that you've been distracted, you actually can do something in reverse that helps you connect with God on a deeper level. That can help you discover life amidst the darkest moments of your soul. That you can experience a life that provides something and flourishes in you despite the the pain and the pressure and the discomfort of the life that you find yourself living in these moments. I believe God wants you to experience life. I believe he wants your life to flourish. I believe that there are moments that we can walk through no matter the disappointment, no matter the distractions that exist in our life, that if we're willing to make a different decision instead of drawing away, we actually can get closer to him. We actually can lean in and in those moments connect more deeply rather than disconnect and see things begin to unravel. In James 1, I, 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 I think it's interesting that he starts off and he says, hey, listen, you've got you've to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, pure joy. In other words, if it's pure, that means there's a joy that isn't so pure. I wonder how many of us have been chasing a counterfeit joy in our lives. I wonder how many of us, the reason we feel like there is such a darkness that surrounds us is because we've been distracted by chasing some counterfeit joy. We've been distracted by by chasing something that really won't satisfy us. We've distracted ourselves to self-medicate ourselves from our pain and our pressure and the stress and the things that we have. And so we've been chasing success. We've been chasing status. We've been chasing financial things. We've been uh, going to the, to the red wine at night. Uh, we've been uh, drinking our sorrows away. We've been just turning up the music louder. We've just been adding on more activity into our lives, thinking that if our kids are happy, then we'll finally be happy, and then our spouse will be happy. But what we don't realize is that our schedules are driving our spouse crazy, and they're making us go insane. And we're just distracting because we're chasing some counterfeit joy. I wonder if there are some things that you've latched on to thinking they were going to bring you joy, but they left you more empty. And the darkness just grows. And I think it first starts by acknowledging the fact that there are sometimes counterfeit joys that we substitute that God is saying, man, 
I really wanted to give you real pure joy, and I want you to count it as pure joy, but you've been chasing the wrong thing, and you've just distracted yourself with more and more. He says, count it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. In other words, when you walk through a difficult season, when disappointment shows up, when things don't work out the way you wanted to, when, when the, the relationship that you thought was going to go all the way to the altar the moment you graduated high school, but yet it didn't get there, when the disappointment shows up, look for the real joy. You can have real joy in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of pain. In the darkest moments of your soul, you can still find joy. There's still joy available despite the grief that you feel because God likes to take your mourning and turn it into joy. Your tears of sadness and sorrow, he wants to take those and allow those tears to, to water the seeds of faith in your life to believe that no matter what I'm facing, God is gonna come through. And he promises to be close to the brokenhearted. And so my tears are watering those seeds of faith that God is close by that he's going to provide, that he's going to be with me. I don't have to live with this counterfeit joy. And I can, I can count it all joy when I face those trials because the testing of your faith, he says, produces perseverance. In other words, there's a, a way of the Christian life that no matter what's going on, we have an ability to keep keeping on. We can keep moving forward. We can persevere no matter the drought we feel, no matter the silence that we feel surrounds us, no matter, the no matter how many times we fall and we stumble in the sin, he says a righteous person picks himself right back up and it decides I'm gonna keep going. Perseverance is this idea of having long obedience in the same direction. We're just gonna keep obeying and keep moving forward. We're gonna keep persevering. And he says, let perseverance finish its work. Finish its work. I wonder how many of us have bailed out on, on, a, on a sense of perseverance that God has been trying to get us to hold on to. I wonder how many of us have just quit too soon. We, we, we get into a job and we don't like our boss and we don't like the authority and we don't like how they lead and we don't like these things. And so we're like, eh, this isn't for me. I miss my calling. Like, no. You're actually uprooting yourself from a possible position and a place where God is trying to grow something in you, but you're not willing to persevere through it. Sometimes we have to be willing to persevere through some difficulties and some of the pressures so it actually develops something in us. And check out this next bit. He says, let perseverance have its work so that you can be complete, mature, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom... I wonder how many of us have, have repeated the same thing year after year. We've never matured in our faith because we've always bailed when, when pressure showed up. If it doesn't make us happy, we just quit on it. We just choose a different distraction to find counterfeit joy. And we always, we find ourselves in these moments. I wonder how many of us are living life without godly wisdom because we didn't stay planted long enough to learn something. 
and the darkness just grows, and we deal with the same struggles, and we deal with the same sins, and we deal with the same habits, and the same personalities that we don't like keep showing up in our life, in this job, and the next job, and in this neighborhood, and in that neighborhood, because God is trying to produce something of maturity in us to grow us up a little bit, to allow our faith to develop such strong roots to where we are not feeling disconnected or distant, but we realize that we can draw close in any moment in time and God's going to be there. Some of us, the darkness that we live in is simply because we've moved, but God never did. God wanted us to keep walking the path, and we've just decided, no, I'm out. This is a little too rocky. I'm going to go this direction instead. And, and we've, we've shifted courses and shifted ways. You know, you know it's interesting, in, in church world, they say that it takes at least three years for real growth and fruit to occur anytime there's a new church or a pastoral transition, which makes me really excited because we are at the tail end of year three for me. <laughs> it's like, all right, we just getting started. I, I wonder if you've cut, cut and run too soon on that relationship. I wonder if, if, we've, if we've uprooted the plant that was trying to grow some roots all because the job we just didn't like having to be told what to do. I wonder if we're training our kids this because the minute they're in, a, in something and they don't like their teacher or their teacher treats them, uh, what we feel is unfair, we send a scathing email to the teacher to let them know that our child is an A-plus star student and they ought to treat our princess a way different and that, our child would never act that way. And we bail out our kids from learning an opportunity on how to mature and depend on God. And, and then they quit the, the coach, and then we wonder why they can't stay in a job when they get out of college, because all we've done is train them. If it gets hard, just change, baby. If you don't like what your coach says, find a different coach, sweetheart. And it's the testing of our faith that actually produces the wisdom that we need to live life well. And some of us are living life in a non-flourishing way simply because we just haven't stayed put long enough. When difficult times arose, we quit. When things didn't go our way, we bailed. When the church didn't do our favorite song after a while, we, we quit tithing and we moved on to another church. Like we just, we, we've become escape artists from our own dysfunction and our own pain and our own difficulties, and we just look for any escape route we can. And we wonder why we're not living wise, healthy, moral lives anymore. We've just tried to escape again and again. And he says, if, if you come to a place where you're lacking wisdom, you need to know that you don't need to just wallow in it. You don't need to Google it. You don't need to, like, ask a friend. You don't need to call a psychic hotline. What you need to do is ask God for that wisdom that you've been missing out on. When the disappointment shows up, you need to ask God what you should do with that disappointment. When, when distractions are coming, you need to actually lean into God. And, and I love that it says God is going to give you wisdom, and he's going to do it liberally, but he's going to do it. Look, look at this. Look at these phrases. He says he's going to do it and be generous with it without finding fault. In other words, he's not going to look and say, well, you idiot. I tried telling you that three years ago. Like, hello, knock, knock. Is anybody home? I tried telling you. 
Well, if you would have done this and not done that, and you would have quit this, and you would have said this differently, and you would have not given up here, and you would have attended here, and you would have bought this instead of buying that, or you wouldn't have bought that, I told you. And we think God is the sarcastic spouse that we've been avoiding, and he's not. He's not finding fault with you. Most of the time, when we feel like God is far away, we feel like it's our fault and God is just gonna be there to crush us and pour on the, the shame and the guilt and so we don't show up to church and it's taken you five years to get back into church and you were scared to walk through these doors because you didn't know what you would find and you haven't been here in two months and you're like, oh man, people are gonna say something and it's gonna be awful and God's not waiting to find fault with you. So you can come to him not sit in the silence, not sit in the fear, not sit back wondering, ah, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? He's not finding fault with you. God isn't disappointed in your disappointment. God isn't mad at your choice to disconnect and get distracted. He's actually just waiting for you to return back to where you left him waiting to pick it right back up. I think sometimes we have such a skewed view of who God is and we've missed this idea. And so, so we show back up oftentimes because we think he's gonna find fault. We show back up to the relationship or we show back up uh, trying to put on a brave face and we just cover up with religious activity rather than being authentic in the presence of God saying, God, would you just be close and help me in this moment? in those moments where you don't know what to do, in those moments where you feel disappointed, in those moments where distraction seems like it's overwhelming, God's saying you can actually come to him and he will be there and he's not gonna play the blame game. He's not gonna doubt. You don't have to doubt and wonder, is God caring enough to respond? He is. He is close. He wants to come to you. It doesn't matter. Listen, when disappointment tries to drive you to disconnect from God, and when, and when your distractions are so many that you feel isolated away from God, you need to make a decision. The remedy, the remedy to your disappointment and the remedy to a distracted soul is to draw close. It's to draw close, not to go further away, not to, not to move in a different direction. The remedy to a distracted life and a disappointed soul is actually to get closer, to draw close to God, to get near him, to, to come to him. I, uh, early on in our marriage, um, I, I really, I desperately wanted to, to be like a godly husband and like lead my wife in the right way and make sure that we were God honoring and everything that we did and everything was, ah, uh, and, and we had to, and we were, we, we got married and went straight into full-time ministry. So like, we don't know how to be married without being in ministry. It's just kind of like all a part of life for us. And, and so I remember early on, my wife would come home and she would start talking to me about like, uh, the things that happened at work. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's gossip. I don't want to hear it. And anything that sounded negative, I'm like, no, 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 we're not. And I became word police for my wife. Oh, that's not life. Don't say that. Don't speak that. I don't, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to this. And in my self-righteous, religious 
thing that I was putting on because I myself was struggling or I myself was, was not sure how to deal with it and I wasn't willing to acknowledge the pain of my own wife. I wasn't willing to even acknowledge the struggle that we were facing. I wasn't willing to do any of those things because I had that faith and I couldn't let light or death things come out of my mouth and all of this, this stuff that was programmed into me that I thought what ended up happening was eliminating all intimacy and we never felt really close all because I just kept shutting her down and shutting her out. And I just, we just got busy and we distracted it and, and we disconnected and it ended up creating this distance for a while to where we forgot how to even be good friends. All because I was trying to live some religious life and perform in such a way that would, oh, I don't want God to find fault with me as a husband. As if God isn't big enough to deal with the things that you're dealing with. As if God isn't big enough to deal with the words that come out of your mouth. As if, as if God doesn't, if God can't handle. Now, I, I believe that we ought to watch the words that we say. I think we ought to confess God's word. But, but I think it's not so much about our words creating something as much as it is that our words shape our thoughts. And those thoughts create a belief that God can actually do something. It's not really our words that, that are creating something. It's actually a belief that is created that God is going to do something on our behalf. And so many of us are talking and, and, and we've disconnected from God and we've disconnected from faith and we're drawing away from God, but we're still pretending like we're close to God. And it's all because we're trying to keep up a connection that's not there. Because if we're honest, we would say we've been distant from God. And we've lost our intimacy and our connection with God. And God is sitting there saying, hey, you know, this disappointing thing, this difficult thing, you've been distracted chasing the counterfeit joys, and you've been disappointed because there's a difficult thing that's come up, and I'm actually trying to help you produce something. Would you come to me to get the wisdom that you need rather than draw away and self-isolate and self-medicate? Would you come to me instead? Listen, here's the big idea today, friends. Don't drift away, draw close. Don't drift away from God in the moments that are difficult. Don't drift away from God when, 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 and, and get busy with distraction. Draw close to him. L look at Hebrews 10, verse 9 through, 19 through 25 out of the, the message paraphrase. I love what it says. It says, so friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place, you and me, with our mess-ups, uh, with, with not having prayed for five, five years, uh, with, with never being kind to the people around us, with running on margin, with no margin rather, and we've just been busy, 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 busy. You and I can walk right up to God, into the holy place. Why? Because Jesus has cleared the way by his blood and his sacrifice. He's not going to find fault in you. You want to know why? Because he already placed all the blame on Jesus when he died on the cross for you and me. You can walk right up to where God is. When you need it, you can go to him. You can draw close. So let's do it, friends. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He has always kept his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but rather coming together and spurring one another on, especially 
as we see the day approaching, especially as, as times get tougher, especially as things seem more chaotic and more godless in the world around us. Let's not run away from it. Let's not complain about it. Let's not get mad about it, but let's draw close to God and close to each other. Let's draw close. Let's not just let it keep drifting away, creating a distance and a silence to where we feel like God where are you? So, so, so here's the deal. If we're going to draw close, two, two ways we need to draw close. R- write these down. Number one is this. Draw close to God. Draw, tr- draw close to God. God wants to speak to you, but he often speaks in, in a whisper, in a still small voice, which means this. You need to stop the distractions on your own. God's not going to compete for your attention. He's waiting for you to yield and give him your attention. So so here's what I want to challenge you to do. This week, every day, spend five minutes in silence. Waiting, listening to what God wants to say. Five minutes this week. Just just make a decision. I'm going to spend five minutes every day quiet before the Lord. Draw close to God. Lean into the whisper. Sit in those moments where you say, God, I'm here. What do you want to say to me today? I've been finding myself trying to do this discipline over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's in these moments that God has been revealing to me little distractions or little things that have been grabbing my affection away from him. He's been drawing me closer to him. He's been whispering affirmation to me. And, it, and it's just been, it's been difficult though because I like the music and I like the sounds and I like the busyness and the, I just, I, we don't like to stop. We don't like to be quiet. But I believe God wants to speak and draw so close to you this week. If you'll make an appointment for five minutes to sit quiet before God, let me rephrase that to sit quiet with God, I think he's going to speak something so profound and the distance that you thought was there, you'll see it disappear. If you want the distance between you and God to disappear, just say, God, come close and invite him to speak to you. Five minutes of silence before the Lord this week. Draw close to God. But like Hebrews said, there's a second thing that we need to do and that's we need to draw close to the people of God. We need to assemble ourselves. Make it a commitment that you're going to clear the schedules and make attending Sunday a priority. Make it a priority that you're going to assemble in in a connect group. You're going to find a connect group. You're going to jump in. You're going to be there. You're going to push past all of the wondering, am I going to be accepted? Are they going to like me? Will I learn anything? Listen, just try it. Get, Get connected. Join a serve team and be around God's people. See, it's when you gather with other people who are walking in the life and in the light that you get brighter and the darkness disappears more. Assemble together. Draw close to the people of God. Draw close. Because when you choose to not draw close, you end up isolating your life. And when you isolate your life, you become easy pickings for the enemy. 
That's why when they go out in search parties and they all have a light and they're going into the deepest, darkest point of the night, they don't go by themselves. You've seen that in the movies. It's never good when you go by yourself. But there's power in the numbers. The light illuminates twice as bright when you've got everybody shining light, when you've got everybody going in a direction, when you're not walking by yourself. There's something transcendent that happens. We've got to draw close to God and draw close to the people of God because that's where we're going to recognize. We're going to eliminate the distractions and our disappointment is going to be met with their hope and their faith. You might not have the faith to face what you are right now, but somebody sitting next to you, you can borrow their faith. You You can borrow their hope. You can borrow their sense of possibility. And together we can. Friends, I want you this week to spend time sitting in silence. Just don't sit alone. Just don't sit alone. Next week, we're going to be privileged to have a a guest with us, a friend of mine who is a pastor and a licensed therapist counselor. And I'm going to interview him, and we're going to talk about the darkness as it relates to mental illness and anxiety. And you're going to hear us talking about how we believe that the road towards health is actually threefold. And one of the components that often is missing from people finding health is this sense of community, where we do life by ourselves. You're like, oh, I've got fam- my family's all I need. Wrong wrong. You need the people of God. But blood is thicker than water. You're right. And you need the blood of Jesus and the people who are walking with the blood of Jesus. That's what's really thicker than anything else that you'll face. And and this component where we spend too much time sitting by ourselves. This week, let's draw close. but Let's not sit in the silence alone. There's a song written by uh, the, the worship leaders at, at Life Church, and they just released a new album. And one of the songs on there is called I Won't Move. I want you to hear these words. It says, find me here again in the place we met where hopelessness meets grace. Quiet all the noise, every whispered lie put to rest by perfect peace. Even in my doubt, I will not forget, you are faithful still to me. I won't take a single step till I hear your voice. I surrender. When my eyes cannot see, it's your voice that's leading me. Out of darkness into light, it's your love breaking through the night. I won't move until you speak. Here I wait for you in the silence now. I'm holding on to your truth. I won't take a single step till I hear your voice. You break the walls apart. You heal the wounded heart. I won't move until you speak. You calm the raging sea. You crush the enemy. You set the broken free. I won't move until you speak. I believe that if we will draw close and say, God, will you speak? We will never walk another day where we feel like God is distant, 
And we will have a stronger connection with God than what we've ever had before. And we won't settle for counterfeit joys. We'll find true life and satisfaction because we've made a decision to draw close and not get drifted away by busyness or disappointment. Let's sit, sit and draw close this week. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, here in these moments, Lord, these words, Lord, I believe you've been ringing true and speaking to our hearts. So Lord, this week, would you help us to draw close? Would you help us to draw close to you? Would you help us to eliminate the distractions for a little bit and push through it all and just be with you, God, for a little bit? And Lord, would you speak to us? Open our ears to hear you today. May we draw close rather than drift away. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.